Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. city of Jerusalem was packed, bursting at the seams. Faithful Jews from near and far had been arriving for days, and, and more and more travelers were gathering in the city seemingly by the hour. Why? To celebrate, to commemorate. Passover was at hand. The high holy feast day for God's people when they remembered how their ancestors centuries before were slaves. Slaves in Egypt, slaves under Pharaoh. When they remembered how they cried out to God in their chains. And the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of the covenant, heard their cries. He heard the prayers of his people and he answered. He brought them out of bondage. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he broke their bonds. He loosed their chains. They were free, redeemed, all by his power, all by his hand. During Passover, God's people made a pilgrimage to the capital. They made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and they went to celebrate, to commemorate, to remember this mighty act of salvation, this mighty act of redemption. But they also longed for the Lord to act again. They longed for the Lord to free them again, to rescue them again, to break their bonds again in the present. Now, yes, they were in their own land, Israel. But their land was ruled by foreign occupiers, the Romans. Their land was part of the great Roman Empire, but they wanted to be free, liberated. It was the time of the Passover. Jerusalem was packed. Excitement and anticipation were in the air. Devotion and longing were in the heart. And Jesus was coming. On the way, just a few miles outside of Jerusalem, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus stopped. He sent two of his disciples, two of his followers ahead into the village. He sent them with very specific instructions. Upon arriving, they would see a colt, a young donkey, upon which no one had ever sat. They were to untie this colt and bring it to him. He also told them, if anyone asks, what are you doing? If anyone says, hey, don't touch my colt, simply answer, the Lord has need of it. Jesus needed it. The ministry of Jesus from beginning to end was marked by simplicity, was marked by poverty. He had nothing. He had no possessions, only the clothes on his back. Yet all things belonged to him. All of creation was his. For Jesus is the eternal son. And before he was born to Mary, before Christmas, before he took on flesh and grew in her womb, before Time began. Jesus was. For the Son is God. 
just as the Father is God and the Spirit is God. One God in three persons. The same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and through him, through the Son, the Father created all things. The Son was the instrument of creation. Though he had nothing, all things belonged to Jesus. Though he had nothing, he created all things, including you, your life, your breath, your gifts, your time, your possessions, your money. They're not really yours. They belong to Jesus. You are gifted them by the Lord. You're given temporary use of them by the Lord, which makes you a steward. A steward is one who takes care of someone else's possessions. So consider, consider what you've been given. Consider your life. No, it's not perfect, but consider where you are. Consider where you've been. Consider how you've been blessed. Consider how you are blessed. And of your blessings, especially those you hold on to the tightest, those that you value the most, ask, does the Lord have need of it? And it might not be something tangible. It doesn't necessarily have to be a possession. It might be your time. After all, it's his. Does he need it? Does he need it for his kingdom? Will you untie it and bring it to him? Well, the Lord had need of a colt. In the ancient world, when in need, kings could take possession of horses that were not their own. And because Jesus wasn't going to walk into Jerusalem, he was going to ride as king. And those with him, those around him, those following him, those accompanying him, recognized it. Their action showed it. Once his disciples brought him the colt, once Jesus mounted it, once he started riding toward Jerusalem, Mark tells us that they spread their cloaks on the road. They lay their outer garments before him. They spread branches, palm branches that they had cut from the fields on the road, like a carpet to welcome a king. Well, this had happened before. It had happened centuries before to another king. In the book of 2 Kings, Ahab was king of Israel. His wife was Jezebel. Ahab allowed the worship of idols. Ahab had killed the prophets of the Lord. And though he was dead, the queen continued these practices and the Lord was not pleased. So the Lord anointed Jehu. Jehu was commander of the army and the Lord anointed him as king of Israel. And when they heard the news that Jehu was king, the officers and the commanders of the army laid down their cloaks before him. They cast their garments on the ground as a son of obedience, as a recognition of authority to the one before them, a carpet for the new king to walk upon. And they cried out, Jehu is king. Well, they laid down their cloaks for Jesus, palm branches before Jesus, and they cried out, Hosanna, 
Hosanna in the highest. The Hebrew word Hosanna is an acclamation. It's a prayer. It means save or save us. And not only is it a prayer, it's also an inscription. Over time, the word was used like, like a shout of praise, like hallelujah, hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This cry, this prayer, this shout comes from Psalm 118. It's our call to worship this morning. It's one of the Hallel Psalms. These praise psalms are Psalm 113 to 118. These psalms were traditionally sung at Passover. They were prayed at Passover. And this particular line of Psalm 118 was used to welcome pilgrims to Jerusalem, to greet those who had come in the name of the Lord, to worship him, and to celebrate the festivals. But the crowd added a line, one that you won't find in Psalm 118. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Again, they longed for their own kingdom again. They longed for their own king again. They longed for God to fulfill the promise. The promise that he had spoken centuries before. The promise that a descendant of David, a son of David, Israel's greatest king would always reign over his people. And as Jesus approached, they thought, this must be him. This must be the Messiah. This must be the long-awaited God-promised king of Israel, the one whom the prophet Zechariah said would come humble and mounted on a donkey. Well, at Passover... Outside of Jerusalem, with celebration in the air, with longing in the heart, with Hosanna on the lips, Jesus entered Jerusalem, riding on a colt, riding on a donkey. Now just to imagine being there, the, the entire city filled with an electric atmosphere, seeing Jesus and wondering, along with everyone else, is God answering the cry, Hosanna? Is God answering the prayer? Hosanna. Are we praising God for bringing us a king? Hosanna. Is this what our hearts have longed for? Is this the promise long at last fulfilled? Well, listen again to verse 11. This is what Jesus does when he arrives. And he entered Jerusalem and he went to the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So what did Jesus do? When he entered Jerusalem, did he, did he claim the throne? Declare himself as king sent by God? Did he rally an army? Did he, did he raise a call for all those who were gathered there in Jerusalem to overthrow Rome? When he, when he entered the temple, was he embraced and blessed by the religious leaders? Well, no. No. Mark tells us that Jesus did nothing. Jesus looked around. 
and he left. Now imagine the various reactions of those who were with him, those who watched him. The head scratching, the murmuring, the confusion, the relief, the anger, the frustration, the tears. That was Jerusalem when Jesus left, at least for some. But those who proclaimed him as king, those who welcomed him as king were wrong. And they were right. Both. Jesus is king. The long-awaited, God-promised Messiah. He's the Christ. He is the descendant of David. He is the blessed one who came in the name of the Lord. He is the one who brings the kingdom. He was the answer to the longing of their hearts. He was the answer to their prayer. Hosanna. So they were right to lay down their cloaks. They were right to lay down palms. They were right to welcome him as a conquering king. But they were also wrong. Wrong in their expectations. Wrong in their assumptions. Wrong about his kingship, his reign, his rule, his power. They longed for a Messiah to rescue. They longed for a king to break bonds. They longed for a king to free them. And Jesus had come to do exactly that. But not in the way that they thought. Not in the way that they expected. Not in the way that they wanted. That's why Jesus entered Jerusalem in triumph and then did nothing. That's why Jesus entered the temple and then looked around. Because his road to conquest, his road to victory was rejection and suffering and death. This king would be crowned with thorns. This king would be enthroned upon a cross. And it's there. It's there lifted up. It's there lifted up and nailed to wooden beams. It's there humiliated in anguish, dying, that his power and might are displayed. Because this king reigns in love. The power of this king is love. Selfless, sacrificial love. A love willing to suffer. A love willing to die. A love willing to suffer hell and die. For the world, for you. And by that suffering and by that death and through that love, he has conquered. He has overcome enemies, enemies that are far greater than the Romans, enemies that are not of flesh and blood, enemies that have a far greater hold over life, enemies that have have far greater power over life, namely sin and death. Sin and death. 
enemies we see displayed in, in the world around us through, through hatred and, and violence and fear and injustice. The Ukraine. Nashville. But they're not only without, they're not only around us, they're also within, within your heart, within your mind, within your soul, within your being. And you see them in your struggles, in your failures, in your wrongs, in your sorrow. These enemies have been conquered. These enemies have been conquered by the King, King Jesus. He came to rescue. He came to redeem you. He came to break your bonds. He came to loose your chains. Believe in him. Put your faith in him. Receive him and be free. Be free of the power of these enemies. Because Jesus is the king you need. Now, perhaps like the Israelites, you've, you've welcomed him as king. You've received him as king. And it, and it seemed as if he came and he looked around and he left. Why didn't your health get any better? Why didn't your relationships get any better? Why didn't your struggles disappear? Why didn't the pain go away? Why wasn't your path perfectly clear? That's what you wanted. That's what you longed for. That's what you wanted the king to conquer. But he's not the king you want. He is the king you need. And he doesn't promise to make your life perfect. He doesn't promise to make your life perfect right now, right away, your way. He doesn't promise to remove all your suffering because that's his way. His way is the way of suffering. And if it's the king's way, then you must follow. But he does promise you forgiveness. He does promise you life. He does promise to transform you from the inside out, to give you a new heart. He does promise to be with you even to the end of the age. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 